2020 taught us a lot of things, didn't it? One of the things that it taught me was that Jesus Christ is absolutely enough. He is the bottom line of where everything is, and with him, we have what we need, who we need, and he is enough. So many things were adjusted, some things taken away from us, some things were modified significantly, but at the end of the day, for me, it was so refreshing to see how many people pull together in unique ways to be able to navigate through what has been our most unusual year ever. And to be able to come to this point in life and to thank God for the lessons He has chosen to teach us, even though the situation was absolutely crazy. I have no idea what 2021 will bring. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Uh, I reread my message that I gave to you in 2020 at the beginning of the year, and it sounded good, but I don't think it really made a lot of difference after we hit March as much as I thought it might. I had one little sentence in there about things could really be wacky. Otherwise, I don't think I said that much about what could be. So I don't stand here telling you that I have full insight of what's happening in the future. But I am going to draw us to the passage that was read just a moment ago by Pastor Dwight, and there find for us four facts about the life of Mary and Joseph in those very early days that will help each one of us navigate into 2021 and into our future in a way that it shows confidence, knowing that our God is in control. And I believe with that confidence and with that knowledge that we're in good hands and we're focused in the right way. The first thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. God will lead you into unexpected experiences. Look at verse 13 of our passage in Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bible open, or if you're logged onto your device, and you see there that Mary and Joseph's lives have been already disrupted with a baby before they anticipated starting a family, and now they have the baby, and their lives are continuing in this unexpected experience. Mary and Joseph's world is turned upside down as they've had angels visit them, and they had shepherds visit them. And when they went to the temple, the people that would greet them were not the nursery welcome wagon, but it was old people that greeted them. It was old people, Simeon and Anna. The Scripture says that they are way in their years. And we also understand that now they're about to be visited by wise men. No wonder the scripture says that Mary would ponder these things in her heart. She knew her life would be different when she married, but now having the baby, it's different. But with all that has come with having a baby, it is very different. In our world today, it's amazing to realize the change a baby will make in our life. A baby will come into our life and they will disrupt everything that we have known as normal. When Pam and I were first married, if we wanted to go get ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, we jumped in the car and off we went. And though a baby should adapt to your schedule, it's not really reasonable to get your baby up at 10 o'clock in the evening and night and uh, just run out and grab some ice cream. The baby get wide awake and stay awake till about one and then, you know, think about maybe sleeping for a 30-minute break to get back up and say, hey, let's keep partying here. But things change whenever you have a kid and a child They'll do things to your life. But she is pondering these changes. She's pondering these words. She's pondering these things. And now, Mary and Joseph receive news that they need to move. And they're thinking, move? 
we've got to move. And yes, indeed, you need to move because God is telling you that you need to move. You need to move because Herod in the government has given a decree, and his decree is very, very unusual. It's very cruel. It's very unkind. It's something that you cannot understand as a righteous person. How a person could even come to the idea that they have come to, and how a person could even think the thought that they would think, but Herod has come to the idea that since these wise men have stopped by his place looking for the king of the Jews, that what he will do is kill the little boys in the region that are Jewish boys. And it has been a while since Jesus has been born, so he could be a year and a half by now, we don't know. So up to two years old, Herod says, all those babies two years and under, we want them wiped out, we want them killed. And that's why the scripture in the Old Testament said there would be weeping and mourning because the children are no more. It wasn't a great big population, but even one was too many. The angel visited Joseph in a dream and said, I want you to get up and I want you to leave. Look at your scripture in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. In one of the countries around our world, just recently they are approving potentially death up to three and a half months. After the child has been born, where does it stop? Herod took it to two years. There was no time to think. There was no time to pray. Just pack. Get out of town. Go to the foreign land. Foreign language, foreign food, foreign customs, different smells, different environment, different place, different feel. Go to that place. Go to that place. You're going to be uprooted from everything you have known. There were certain colonies over in Egypt of people like them. So perhaps they were able to have birds of a feather flock together. Their routines would be shattered. And as we move into 2021, it is very possible your routines will be shattered. It is very possible that your schedule will be altered and your plans will change just a bit. And when they do, where will you go? Who will you look to? They looked to God to help guide them through this change of pattern and plan. And it was absolutely amazing whenever they would look to God that they would find him to be sufficient. They would find him to be the answer. They would find him to be the north star that would guide them into the unknown. Second thing I want to observe here, go back to verse 11. God can provide unusual resources for us. The wise men paid a visit. The wise men paid a visit to them. Mary and Joseph are very ordinary people from a very ordinary community. I've been to the community, and they say it hasn't changed a whole lot over the years in the sense that it's very ordinary. It's not a primary spot you really want to go to for a whole lot of insight. About the only thing we did when we were at Nazareth, we went off up into this this elevated area behind this junkyard, and perhaps that tainted my (laughs) image just a little bit. There are some nice churches there, but you go up, and then you walk up this a high hill. And when you get up there, you see the place where they wanted to run Jesus off of the cliff and kill him. And Jesus walked through the crowd supernaturally, if you will, and he parted them from him and he was able to walk away from them. And as he did, he was able to move out and not be killed because it was not yet his time. It wasn't his time. Mary and Joseph, ordinary people, here they are now, these wise men, These wise men are important people. These wise men have a measure of refinement about them. They could have been very intimidating. 
It's possible Mary and Joseph at this point needed some sort of signal to know they were still on the right track. And there God gave to them the vision of the angels. And now the wise men showing up. And look at verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You notice that? The gold identifies him easily with royalty. They perhaps had never seen gold like this. It's said that just a little tiny bit of gold can be stretched into a wire, maybe even a mile long. I'm not sure, but I would know this. In any culture, in any currency, gold is considered amazing. Gold is considered something unusual, and it's the identity of royalty here. This is absolutely amazing. The incense that was given here was a smell they would smell as a fragrance at the temple. It represents purity. It represents cleansing. It represents this which would be holy. It was a comforting smell, perhaps. But they had not had this in their home before because the Scripture said they came to the house to give this to them. And notice something else. They received the gift of myrrh. Myrrh will bring a somber response, a soberness to their heart. And as they receive this gift of myrrh, they're no doubt grateful for all three, but they are the most riveted by this because it has big meaning. It's taken from trees. Uh, when you read Revelation, you read about several churches. There are seven. When you read about them, they represent different church ages. There is one of the persecuted church. The persecuted church was known as Smyrna. Smyrna is where you get myrrh as part of that word, and it is amazing what is happening. This would represent embalming fluid. Now, you've been to a baby shower, and you probably have given diapers, or maybe you've given some sort of a gift card to Babies R Us, or whatever store they have now for babies. Maybe you've given some kind of blanket you've made, or maybe you've given some special photo, or crib, or stroller, I don't know. You've given something really cool, right? You've given something that would be appropriate for the moment. But when you come in and you're giving a gift like this, this is a gift of great symbolism. This was a great gift of them scratching their head just a little bit to understand what in the world. This was a gift of the funeral home. This would be like giving someone formaldehyde or giving them some sort of a funeral floral arrangement. This seemed crazy, but it reminds them of the very words of the prophet, and it reminds them of the very words of Simeon, and the very words of Simeon that he would say to them that he is going to be killed for the sake of the gospel. That's what would happen. This wouldn't be the only time we'd read this idea about myrrh. Let me just camp out just for a second, if you will. Myrrh is an amazing thing. In Mark chapter 15, verse 22 through 24, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, verse 23 says, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. And he did not take it. And they crucified him. Jesus wouldn't take this. Now, when you read about myrrh in another place, you read it because of its absence not because of its presence. When you go to Isaiah chapter 60 and you go to verse 6, as a for instance, it talks about the future with Jesus, and guess what it talks about? The future with Jesus whenever he comes again in the future. And when he comes again in the future, get a load of this. They're going to give him gold, and they're going to give him incense, but you don't see the listing of myrrh. 
He died once and for all, and there will be no death when he comes to reign again. He will not be dying. And this is very significant for us to understand. Now, so many things had to be postponed or canceled during this last year. And if you're listening to this message, you may be depressed right now, thinking, good grief, Kev, you're really giving us no hope. Oh, but I am. God is with us even in the mystery of the unknown, and God can be with us whenever we receive news that is uncomfortable and we have not wanted to receive. But everything is not canceled. Everything is not done away. Mary and Joseph began to realize that God was indeed with them. Pam's going to sing a song for us right now. It talks about some of the things that are not canceled. And then I'll be back and preach in a minute. When life is put on hold, all our plans have canceled, things have changed. Nothing feels the same. Disappointments, fear and doubt go hand in hand and waves of worry threaten me. Everywhere uncertainty. But in the midst of chaos, in the midst of fear, there is something to remember. There is something we all need to hear. Joy is not canceled. Peace still remains. His goodness, His kindness, His grace isn't running low. Everything that matters still 
And so for Mary and Joseph, it looks like God who says that he's sending salvation, the Messiah. It can look like God doesn't really know what he's up to, but he has your best interest and his plan in mind. Don't ever forget it. He has your best interest and his plan in mind. Going into Egypt is going to protect God's plan of salvation. Herod was not going to get Jesus. He was not going to kill this baby. God's plan would remain on track. Prophecy would be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I will call my son, verse 15 says. This is prophetic news that God has given to us. He's going to protect over their heart from great heartbreak right now. Mary and Joseph are not going to experience a baby that is dead, a murder from Herod's king's men. He's not going to do that. Instead, what's going to happen, there'll be no funeral, but they're going to continue on. And this is what I know. Sometimes in the challenge of our life, when it looks like everything is against us and nothing is going to work, that is when God is up to something. The dawn happens after the darkest moment. And some of you need to hear this today. Somebody needs to understand this whole idea that God knows where you are. God knows who you are. God knows how to handle whatever is happening in your life right now. He's not surprised. He's not fooled. He knows how to help you through whatever it is that you're experiencing. And it may stink. It may not seem fair. It may seem like a Herod somewhere in your life. I like the passage in Jeremiah 29 11. It's so powerful. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. A lady in 1903 was riding on, a, on one of the little tram things in New York City, and the driver had to keep his window open to wipe for the snow so they could make it. And she's like, man, if they could come up with something. You see, they were in a tough moment driving in the snow. Could you imagine driving here today in the snow as you did and having no wiper? That lady invented the windshield wiper. She said if there could be a rubberized something going across that windshield, we could just go ahead and have this drive without worrying about crashing. You see, it was a dark moment, a challenging moment when they could have crashed, but they didn't crash. And she thought and she created. And sometimes... It is that gateway of the birth pangs that brings about the result of something extraordinary. It is, it is a down being removed from the nest that prepares us for our great launch into the future destiny of what God has in mind for us. My stars. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house today? Because that's good stuff. Some of the stuff you've been through, some of the things that have been happening in your life, they have propelled you into a reality that you wouldn't have been part of before that or known anything about prior to that. But today, it continues to validate the person of Jesus that all of this happened and took place because these were prophetic words from the prophets of old that are fulfilled in the moment of Jesus' life on earth. And I want to just point this out. Your season will have a beginning and an end. Egypt was not forever, but it was for now. Some people have come to me and said, I've been laid off, my company downsizing, whatever. They've been propelled, and eventually, what have they done? They have gone into something different because it is our nature to pursue something else. Even before you were born, you were the first one out of many, and there you are now as a person created, and you continue to pursue those moments of, of excellence and next level. Egypt wasn't forever. 
It wasn't going to be their destination forever, but it was a present reality. Some of you may be single, and you say, well, this is forever, maybe, maybe not. Some of you may be in between jobs, is this forever? Well, I don't think it has to be. I think there can be something. Some of you are wondering if your schooling's going to last forever. <laughs> Will I ever get out of school? But someday you'll get out of school, and then you'll really start learning. That's the way it works. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and really following, it puts it like this. For everything, there is a time and a season. For every activity under the sun, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. Those aren't just passages we read at a funeral. But those are passages we understand whenever we're experiencing life. So some of you are experiencing the zenith of a great moment in your life. Don't let it pass you by. When Mark McGuire was hitting all the home runs way back, and he was just launching them into the upper deck, it was unbelievable. And I love to watch him hit. My stars, I did not know a baseball could travel that far. When I was a young guy, I could hit a, a baseball well over 300 feet and hit him out of a lot of the parks I played in. But I will tell you this, when he came to town in Philly, I was there for his first game. He was a cardinal, but they were in Philadelphia. And my mother had contacted the cardinal organization to find out if they would be, if McGuire would be in uniform that night. So he was, and I went. And so I went down, finding out he would be there, and I watched, and I watched in awe as he hit balls into the upper deck in batting practice. Did not know guys could consistently hit after hit after hit. But you know, he said something that I thought was very interesting. They said to him, Mark, are you enjoying the ride? He said, I'm not taking time to focus on all of that. I'll do all of that later. And I thought, oh, you better enjoy the ride a little bit because there's no promise of later. The only way I was able to stay awake after we built this building and owed so much <laughs> was to be able to come in here and realize that I could celebrate what was in the moment. And as we go through the years, we pay it down a bit more every year, still doing it, but we pay it down. And it's wonderful. And I think about the hundreds of people that have come to Jesus through this ministry of this place. It's amazing. There's a time for everything. I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. If you're ready to receive it, please say yes. Here it is. God remembers you in the middle of your Egypt. God remembers you in the middle of your Egypt. Notice verse 19 of our passage here. After Herod died, there's a season for everything. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So they're in their Egypt. And said, get up and take this child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to kill him, they are dead. Verse 23, Joseph is worried about Archelaus. And the Lord helped calm his fears about Archelaus. And he can calm your fears too. He can do that. So we enter a new year with uncertainty, but with hope, with challenges, but with opportunities, with dreams, just like Joseph, with opportunities to recognize the great things that are being given to us, and even the challenges that come have a purpose in knowing God is there. So I want to leave you with a verse. We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. Those are the one God has chosen for his purpose, and that is you. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we don't know what all you're going to do this year, but we're excited to be your children and to know that you're in control. We love you. We thank you that we have opportunity to live a life of purpose and that dignifies every breath we take. So guide us, we pray, and help us to be willing to follow you all the way. So when we come to the end of 2021, we will have made you known in beautiful ways that we cannot yet dream. In Jesus' name, amen.